Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Awesome. Let's just stay, keep standing just for one moment because the truth is today I'm only here by the grace of God. It's the grace of God that saved me and set me free. It's the grace of God that's given me the ability to do what I do. And I just believe today that grace that God has shown me, His grace is here and He wants to touch our lives and transform our lives today. And I don't know your situation, but I am certain of this, that my God does. I don't know what's happened in your week, but I am certain of this, that my God does. I don't know what's happened in your family this week, but I am certain of this, that my God does. So just lift your hands towards heaven right now. And Father, we just thank you right now that you're here, Lord God. Father, we thank you for the 7th of October, 2018, Lord God, in Harvey Bay. Father, at 9.20 a.m., Lord God, we invite your Spirit in, Lord God. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and minister with power, with authority, with grace, with love, with mercy, with forgiveness, Lord God, with your healing power and do what you do best, Lord God, and come and touch and transform lives, Father. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give some praise to Jesus this morning. Awesome. You may take your seats here today. I I first want to thank Pastor Ross and Pastor Mary Lynn for having me this morning. It's a great honour to be here, to preach the gospel to your family, to your community, to to this church and this city. And I'm very excited to be here today. And you know, as I was driving up this morning, Pastor Ross, I got up very early and um, you know, our, our church has just had our church conference this weekend, so it's been a very, very busy weekend. And uh, after, after this today, I head straight down to state conference to be with all our, our pastors and hang out. So it's been a very busy weekend. I got to bed at about oh, 10 o'clock last night, and then my alarm went off at 2.30 this morning. Went Holy Spirit, jumped under the shower. It was awesome. Had three coffees this morning. Thank you, Jesus. And... Um, you know, the whole way up here this morning, I continued to get this word in my spirit as I was praying and driving. And it's, uh, the word is re-engineering for you guys, that, that God is re-engineering for revival. I, I believe you have seen steep revival before. And over the last couple of years, you've continued to see climb. You continue to see God's grace and God's transformational power. But I believe that you guys are on the edge of a brand new wave of His Holy Spirit into this city, into this church, into your people. And I really believe that God is re-engineering your spirit. You know, when re-engineering happens, you have a look at the old stuff and God says, I want you to re-engineer this a new way. And I believe there's a new wineskin coming upon this church. And when there's a new wineskin, there'll be a new flow of wine, which is His Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you this morning, church, don't just sit back and be a spectator, but dive headfirst in and go, I'm here to ride the wave of His Holy Spirit. I'm here to allow His new wine to come upon my life in Jesus' name. Can everyone agree with that? Awesome. Yeah, this morning I want to talk to you about a message because called uh, "What to Expect When You're Expecting." What to expect when you are expecting? So you need to understand this: that expectation is a form of faith. If you have a look in the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven, verse one, it says, "Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen." Faith is the confidence that Jesus wants to set Harvey Bay free. 
Faith is the confidence that he wants to call your family home. Faith is the confidence that that sickness you've been traveling and walking through in life, that God is a healing God and he wants to set you free. What to expect when you're expecting. See, if you expect God to do nothing, guess what will happen? Nothing will happen. But if you expect God something, then all things are possible in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage us today. What are you expecting God to do through your life? What are you expecting God to do through this house? What are you expecting God to do through your story? Because we've got to understand this today. And I'm going to share a little bit around my testimony today and what I've been through and how God has rescued me. But the truth is today, we all have a story of grace from God. And every single one of our stories matter. But what are we expecting God to do with our story? Are we expecting God to use that story to see people saved and set free? See, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Now all, everyone say all. all. Not just a little bit. But now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us. So I want you to grab a hold of this today. It's not just the mighty work of God in the, on Peter Ford and, and every other minister inside this church, but everyone that calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, everyone that turns from their ways and turns towards Jesus, his presence, his spirit, his power comes upon our lives and it's his work within us to accomplish infinitely more then we might ask or think. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting every single day that God would use me. Whether it's giving someone a high five, whether it's a smile at someone, whether it's picking up someone's spirit at the shop, whether I get to pray for someone, whether we pray for someone for healing, whatever it is, I expect God in some form every day to use me. So I ask for that. What... What are you expecting God to do through your life? See, our expectation should never be found in man, should never be found in a leader, should never be found in a vision. Even though we follow men, even though we follow vision, even though we need to follow leaders in our lives. But our expectation should be found in this, in His Word. Our expectation should be found in God every single day. I remember back in the year 2000, uh, 2011, my wife became pregnant with our second daughter, uh, Abby Rose. And she's a beautiful young lady and she, she's, just, she's going to be a fireball for Jesus. I can see it. She's going to change people's lives through the power of God. And, and I still remember the phone call I got when my wife was 18 weeks pregnant. I was working in Goodenough for our church and I, and I was working on um, flood houses that had been damaged through the floods and we're, we're rebuilding walls and helping the community out and I get this phone call from my wife and she's like, hey, hey, Grant, you need to come to the hospital. Oh, what's going on? Just, uh, just come to the hospital straight away. So I quickly jump in the car and it's about a 45-minute drive and I get to the hospital and we go into uh, a specialist meeting. And as we walk into that room, as we walk into that place, he gives us the news and he gives us a report. And he says, hey, Beck and Grant, I just need to let you know that Beck's waters have broken and her, her body is actually starting to contract and there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's no operation, there's no drugs, there's nothing that we can do. And the truth is, at 18 weeks, babies don't survive. 
So the only do is check you into hospital, new life flat on your back. And if we can get to 24 weeks, then we have the equipment to help your little baby girl. You know, at that point, our hearts dropped. At that point, we're like, oh, what's going on? But as we walked out of that building to go to the, into the specialist unit with this report, the Holy Scripture, Psalm 118 verse 17 says this, I will not die, but I will live to tell what the Lord has done. I will not die, but I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Guess what we did every single day for the next five months? We read that scripture over my wife and over my little girl. For five months, my wife laid on her back. For five months, she continued to lose fluid. For five months, she continued to, uh, to, to kick in and out of having contractions the whole time. And at 38 weeks pregnant, the doctor said, you know what? That baby's been in there long enough. Let's get it out of here. But we weren't because God gave us a promise and an expectation that he was going to heal. And church, I want to encourage us today. This isn't just some good writings. This isn't just some fancy people writing some words. But this is the living word of God. It is written to direct and comfort our lives in Jesus' name. See, today, oh, oh, you know, even as I shared that story, today there might be someone in this place that your story was very similar but had a different outcome. And you know what? I, I, I don't understand sometimes why, why God moves here but doesn't move there. But all I know all I can understand is this side of heaven, I have to put my trust in Him no matter what. This side of heaven, I have to go, God, whatever you're doing, you're doing and I'm going to trust you. And I want to encourage you today, if your story is different to that, I want to encourage you, don't stop believing. Because when we stop believing, we stop growing in God. And I want to encourage you to continue to go after Him no, no matter what. But today, church, how do you walk into your workplace every day? How do you walk into your school every day? How do you walk into your community every day? How do you walk into your family dinner every day or every week? How do you walk into your friend's house every week? Do you walk in with an expectation that God is going to use you? Here's a big one for us. How do we walk into church every Sunday morning? Because let's be honest, sometimes we can get caught in that Christianity bubble, can't we? And we can come to church and tick that box. Yep, I've given, I've praised, I've fellowshiped. See you later. But I believe God is looking for a church that would rise up in faith. And they would come every Sunday morning expecting people to be saved, set free and healed in Jesus' name. You know, as I said at the start of this, I'm going to share a little bit around my story. And See, you may look at me today and you think, oh, Grant, you've got it all together. You've got the nice clothes, the nice jacket and the pretty face. Thank you for noticing. I'm here to tell you today, I don't have it all together, but I know the one who does, and that is Jesus Christ. And the truth is, I grew up in an amazing family. My mum and my dad, they loved me, they looked after me. My father was a toy salesman, a toy rep. He traveled the world selling toys. Man, I had an awesome childhood. On Saturdays, he'd take us down to the factory, he'd go, boys, there's the showroom, break whatever you want, and we always did. My two older brothers, they're my best friends, and they used to show love by locking me in cupboards. Who has older brothers like that? Yeah, I see those hands. 
But I still remember the day on July the 4th, 1989. Young here, just block your eyes, for, uh, your eyes, your ears for a second. But when I went to school, I did what I always did. Got detention. And um, that afternoon when I went down to the front of my school to get picked up from my mum, my mum wasn't there. And you've got to understand this. If you ever meet my mum, I invite her to come for dinner. I tell her to come at 8.30 at night because she's always two or three hours early. Like she is never late. She is always way, way early. And when I got to the front of the school, my mum wasn't there. So I started to, a bit of fear crept into my heart. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I was a mess at the front of my school. So one of my teachers ran down and said, hey, your mum's been held up, but your next door neighbor's picking you up. So I don't know if this has happened to you before, but have you ever walked into a conversation, a situation, a moment in time, and you know that something's wrong? You know, as I sat in the front seat of that car that day, and I started to drive home to my house, it didn't matter how many times that my next door neighbour told me everything's fine, Grant, I knew that something wasn't. As I pulled into my street at Rochdale South, this little cul-de-sac, and as we pulled into it, there's just cars all over the road, all over our front lawn. I'm like, what's going on here? And I walk inside to find out that my dad had had a heart attack and passed away. You, you know, as a 10-year-old boy, I blamed God. As a 10-year-old boy, I blamed my brothers. I blamed my mum and I was away. For three weeks, I just could not stop crying until one day I woke up and said, this hurt, this pain, this grief is not going to touch me anymore. And I pushed those feelings so deep down with inside my life that I wiped all memory of my father. By the time I got to 11, 12, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes every afternoon. By the time I got to 13, I was high most afternoons of the week on marijuana. By the time I got to 14, I was binge drinking so much that I'd wake up in my own vomit on the weekend. By the time I got to 15, I dropped out of high school and I was in the illicit drug scene where I was sharing needles with friends. All the way through to the age of 22, I did this. And today I want to show you a photo of what I looked like in the year 2001, or the year 2000, sorry. Here I am with the beanie on, 55 kilos. I was a daily user of speed. I was a daily drinker. We used to start drinking in the bakeries at 6 a.m. in the morning. And once we finished at 9.30, we'd go straight to the pub and we'd stay there all day. And then during the day, I would either score some drugs or I'd sell some drugs and do whatever to keep my life going through this cycle. Until one day in the year 2001. See, you've got to understand this. I'd heard about God. I'd heard about who He was. I went through the private schooling. I'd gone to all the private schools, but I'd never encountered His love. See, there's a difference in hearing about Him and encountering Him. And, and, and on this day, I fell to my knees and I looked to heaven and I said, God, if you are real, you need to do something in my life. And as I prayed that prayer, his presence fell upon my life. I was a mess for the next 45 minutes. And as I got up from that mess and cleaned myself up, I walked home and, you know, I did what I always did for the next six, six weeks. I didn't know any better because there was no one there to explain to me what just happened in my life. This beautiful young girl walked into my bakery and asked for a job. I remember as she walked up, I elbowed my boss. and I said, if you do not hire her, I quit. <laughs> I'm so glad my boss listened. Because he hired her. And then within about a month or so, she invited me to church where I walked into a building going, what is going on here? Have I walked into a cult? 
what is happening here. And I sat in the back row, drug addict, alcoholic. But when the, the, the pastor said, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I quickly raised my hand and walked from the back row, a drug addict, alcoholic. And when I came to the front, Jesus Christ set me free in the moment. And see, you need to understand that's the Jesus we serve. Jesus is in the game of saving and restoring people's lives. And see, today I want to encourage us. See, Job, he lost absolutely everything, but never lost hope in his Creator. Moses walked through the wilderness for 40 years, but never lost sight of the promised land. Samson, even though he was anointed by God with power, lost it all, but he said, God, anoint me one more time. Anoint me one more time with power so I can take my enemies out. And I'm here to tell you today that I believe that God wants to restore restoration. He wants to restore restoration power to your life, to your situation, to your dreams, to your family. And today I believe that He wants to raise up an army that is expectant for God to move no matter what. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, I love this story. And if you read this story, here's Ezekiel. And the Bible says that, 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 that God took Ezekiel and took him to this valley of dry bones. And as he stepped into this dry, this valley of dry bones, as he's walking across these bones, he can hear the crackling of the bones underneath his feet. And the, the, the amazing thing is five times through this scripture, through this story, God talks about breath. How, how the breath, how I want to breathe into these bones, how I want to breathe into these things, how I want to breathe into these dead old bones. And so you need to understand the word breath. It's a Hebrew word, which is spirit. And it's the same breath or the same Holy Spirit that is here today that wants to breathe into your life. See, it was the breath of God, His Holy Spirit that breathed life into man in Genesis 2 verse 7. It was the breath in 2 Timothy 3.16 that was breathed into the Word. And it was the breath in John chapter 20 verse 22 that was breathed upon the disciples that filled them. And I just believe today that God's Holy Spirit, that the breath of God wants to breathe upon your dreams upon your situation, upon your life, and upon your church, in Jesus' name. And today I want to encourage us and I want to talk to us about how do we live with expectation in our hearts? What to expect when we're expecting? You see, the first thing that, that we need to do is we need to walk with expectation. We need to walk with expectation. Here is Ezekiel. He is, he is walking through the valley of dry bones and he had a choice whether to look at the dry bones or look towards God. And I'm so glad that he didn't walk in fear, but he walked in faith. And I'm telling you today, we need to walk with an expectant heart that God wants to use us no matter what. See, there's a difference today between arrogance and authority. Because arrogance is all about me. Arrogance is how awesome I am. Arrogance is how wonderful I am. But you know what? The authority of Jesus Christ is all about how wonderful He is, how awesome He is, what He is doing through people's lives. And God is looking for a church. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus told His disciples, I have been given all authority, not just a little bit, but all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and sit down. No, no, he doesn't say that, does he? 
He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all I have commanded you. And be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of time. How awesome is that? He's been given authority. And he passes that on to us so that we can go make disciples in Jesus' name. Many years ago, we were sitting at a, a, a property in Daisy Hill um, that we owned and we were sitting on the front veranda and it was half the size of this and we were just having a cup of tea, me and my wife and these birds just start diving down into the, the, the front lawn. Just keep diving down. I'm like, what are they doing? So I stand to my feet and I look out over the lawn and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a snake. And there was an excitement in my life. But once I said snake, I all of a sudden heard the front door close, all the windows shut and the deadlock go on. And I look over my shoulder and go, where's Beck gone? And as I walked off, the front veranda, and I walked past my garage to pick up the shovel and rake, I felt the spirit of Steve Irwin come upon me. And, and, and as I walked out towards this snake, I was so excited. I was going to look like a man. Here we go. Yeah, Becca, are you watching? This is awesome. But I got close enough to the snake, and once I realized what type of snake it was, it was a different story. It was a red-bellied black snake. And, and, and I did this, I was like, yes, 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 oh, wait a second. And I, I did the half step. You know, the half step happens to us a lot. You know, as Christians, we feel God speak to us. Go talk to that person about Jesus. Yep, I'm going to go. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm going to go this way now. Like, who, who has ever done that before? I, I know I have. And that happens so often. But the truth is, the enemy is waiting for us to take the half step. Because when we take the half step, he will fire at us. He'll try to take us out. He'll throw his arrows at us. He'll try to pull us down and bring condemnation to our lives. But we must walk with an expectation that God wants to use us. Because, see, you need to understand this. The day I took that half step, once the snakes saw it, guess what he did? He flicked around and came straight for me. Before I knew it, I was in the car, the carport on top of my car with the, with the rake and the shovel throwing at it. I, I, pulling palm fronks off, going, go away, snake, go away. I was there for about three or four hours. Just kept circling me. But that's such a picture of what the enemy wants to do. When we take the half step, isn't it, Interesting, when we take a step of faith, that all the challenges start to come. Isn't it interesting when we take that step of faith to talk about Jesus, our voice almost goes, oh, and starts to, has that ever happened to you? Your mouth goes dry. You start to get real shaky. You're like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. No, no, no. Walk with an expectant heart that the spirit of the living God is upon you to share and see people set free. You know, I really believe this. God is looking for a church to walk with an expectant heart. You know, He is the King who saves. He is the King who heals. 
He is the king who restores. He is the king that binds together the brokenhearted. He is the king that forgives. He is the king that broke the power of sin off of our lives. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the king that breaks all curses, breaks all strongholds. He heals all pains. He is the savior to this world and to our lives. He is the redeemer, the provider, the protector. He is the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word of God, the lamb of God, the bread of life. He is the shelter, the strong tower, our strength our hope, our future, and He is the love to our souls. So we must walk with an expectant heart, church. Walk. Second thing we must do is we must talk. Talk with expectation. I'm a massive believer that when our talk matches up with the Spirit of God, anything can be revived. See, if you get to know me over a period of time, if you ask me how my day's going, I have a couple of sayings. I'm living the dream, I'm awesome, or everything's fantastic. They're just my sayings. But see, the truth is, it's not always awesome. It's not always fantastic. I just choose who to tell that to. See, because all of us, we're going to have struggles in life. Things are going to happen. But you know what? The places that don't need to know about our struggles are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. But our mentors, our pastors, our spouses, and our God. He wants to hear us. I want to encourage us today. Is your talk matching up with the Spirit of God? I love what it says in Ezekiel 37, verse 3. It says this. Son of man, can these bones live? I said, this is Ezekiel. I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Church, this is a word for someone today. Dry dreams, hear the word of the Lord. Those dry expectations, hear the word of the Lord. Those broken promises, hear the word of the Lord. That hurt, hear the word of the Lord. That, that, that brokenness you've been walking through, hear the word of the Lord and start speaking to it and say that stronghold's no longer going to touch my life and I'm going to walk free in Jesus' name. We must walk, we must talk, we must dream. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 17, it says this dream it says, in the last days, God will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Yeah. See, we need to dream with an expectant heart. Yeah. The dreams that have been in your heart, if it's a God-given dream, well, God wants it to come to pass. Yeah. Stop putting it on the shelf and say, oh, yeah, I'll just leave it there. No, pick it up. Start speaking into it. Start having an expectation that God, this dream that you've given me, it's going to come to pass. See, we need to dream that people can be set free all throughout Harvey Bay in the Fraser Coast region. We need to dream that this youth ministry can be overflowing with young people being set free. We need to dream that the young adults can change the culture in this city. We need to dream that this place can come a place of restoration in Jesus' name. We've got to understand this, that the best churches still haven't been planted. Even though you're part of an amazing church with brilliant senior pastors. But I just have an expectation that there's going to be some amazing churches planted in the years to come. See, the best youth pastor, even though I was an amazing youth pastor for over a decade. I don't know how I made it out alive. 
But the truth is, the greatest youth pastor still hasn't stepped into a position yet. Shout to the Lord, even though it was an amazing song. And it, 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 millions and millions of people have heard it. The greatest worship song still hasn't even been written yet. Reinhard Bonnke has seen over 65 million. I'm not just talking about hands in the air, recorded decisions for Christ where they've written down their name and they've followed them up. 75 million people have been saved through his ministry. But the greatest outreach still hasn't been done yet. We must dream again. We must believe again. We must go with expectant hearts to believe God wants to see revival in this city, in this nation, in Jesus' mighty name. We must walk. We must talk. We must dream. And we must listen. Both times God spoke to Ezekiel, he didn't just walk away, but he heard the word of the Lord and he prophesied the word of the Lord. And because he heard and he prophesied, a miracle happened. But you know what? For many of us, life gets so busy that we forget to turn our iPhone off, our, 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 our iPhone, our iPad and our iBrain. When was the last time that you sat and that you listened to the Lord? When was the last time that you turned everything off and said, I need to be alone with the Lord? When was the last time that you put all distractions out of the way and said, God, here I am, speak afresh to me today? I love what it says in the book of Psalm, chapter 40, verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He heard me. He turned to me and he heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, I want to show you a quick video this morning of a miracle that happened many years ago in one of my daughter's lives. I still remember the phone call that I got the night of this, this incident. I was at a leadership meeting with a couple of hundred people and I got the first phone call and I was like, oh, Beck just really wants to know what I want for dinner. Get the second phone call, oh, she really wants to know what time I'm going to be home. Third phone call, I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should answer this. I walk outside the meeting and I, I answer the phone and Beck says, hey, we're just in an ambulance on the way to hospital to the Burns unit at Royal Brisbane's Hospital. Can you meet us there? I was like, yep, no hassle. And I just, just threw out this line and said, babe, doesn't matter what's happened. doesn't matter what's going on. Let's find hope in Jesus Christ. Let's not look anywhere else. Let's just believe that there's going to be a miracle from God. And I want to show you today what happened through this time. Thank you, guys. Hello, my name's Riley, and this is my mum, Beth. <laughs> At the end of June, Riley was admitted to the RBH for third-degree burns. Um, I was trying to open the cupboard, and a vegetable steamer fell on me. It was really hot. It hurted a lot. Instincts took over and I just pushed her in the shower. I remember looking down at her hands and her nails were all completely been, like melted almost. Um, barely holding myself together at that stage. And um, it was a circumferential burn, meaning it went all the way around her um, arm and her wrist. They kind of just prepared me that this could impair her hand function. She really likes um, drawing and colouring at the moment. And she looked at me 
and with the bandages on the next one, she was really sad. I was really sad that I couldn't do it right. I'm so thankful for the support that we got from all the people at Hope Centre. Yeah, the church um, was praying for us constantly. On that day 10, they said, look, it's still looking um, pretty bad. And they had prepped me to do a skin graft. And then they had to eat their words because as soon as the bandages came off, they were like, oh my goodness, like it's actually dry. It's healed. It's a complete miracle. It made me really happy that I could do everything again. God healed my arms because God really cares about me. For, for nine days every single day but Riley was in there for about five days and they were treating it every day and then we went home for a couple of days but every day we'd have to go back to the hospital every day we went back with an expectation as they pulled off the bandages that there would be skin there every day they pulled it off there was no skin growing back on day nine they gave us all the paperwork and said hey we're going to do a skin graft Tomorrow when you come in, we'll discuss where we're going to take skin from. We'll discuss when we're going to book the operation. And we'll discuss all those information, how much it's going to cost, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Day 10, when we walked in and they took the bandages off, they were like, what? What's happened? There was no skin there yesterday. But today there's skin and it's actually dry skin. It's not just moist skin, it's actually dry skin. And they could not understand what had happened, but we could. We were able to share the gospel and say, you know what, since this has happened, we've been believing. We've had hundreds of people praying for us. We've had an expectation that God would heal. And you know what, church, today, where is your expectation? Is your expectation found in an earthly relationship? Was your expectation found in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He is a healing God. He is a restoring God. He is a caring God. He is a loving God. He is a merciful God. He forgives us of our sins when we turn from our ways and turn towards Him. And church today, where is your expectation? Now in just a moment, I want to Pray for some people. My Bible in the book of John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son. So whoever shall believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on in verse 17 and it says that Jesus never came. He didn't come to condemn us. But He came to set us free, church. He wants to set Harvey Bay free. He wants to set Queensland free. He wants to set astray you free in Jesus' name. And you know what? Today, He wants to set your life free. And just with every eye closed and every head bowed across this place, if you're in this building this morning, you do not have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never turned from your ways and turned towards Jesus. You've never said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come afresh into my life. He is here today to set you free. 
people here today, you've made this decision once before. You've made this choice once before, but through life, through decisions, through choices, you know that you're away from Jesus right now. He doesn't condemn you. He only ever shows love, grace, and mercy. If you're here today and you say, Grant, that's me, whether it's for the very first time today, or today you want to rededicate your life to Christ. If you're here in this place, you say, Grant, pray for me. I need to get my life right with Jesus. Whether it's for the very first time or today you want to rededicate your life to Christ. If that is you, just lift up your hand where you're sitting right now and I'll pray for you. If that is you, lift up your hand nice and high. Say, Grant, pray for you. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.